Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Creation to Close. My name is Christina Dolan. Today, I'm sitting down with Stacey Bachman, Director of Sales and Marketing at 312 Pizza Company and also Tempered Cafe and Chocolate. Amazing. Stacey's a Chicago native who came to Nashville, thank goodness, to bring us some yummy, yummy pizza, and I'm really glad about it. But she's also a sales and marketing expert, as you can tell from her title, and I'm really excited to chat with her today. So thanks for being here, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. But anyways, we can jump right in. I'd love to hear. So just tell me a little bit. We can start with 312 Pizza. Like, tell me a little bit about that. And, um, you know, it's family owned, right? I think you and your family. But I'd love to hear a little Mm -hmm. more about the vision behind it and everything. So we started 312 Pizza Company kind of selfishly. (laughs) We moved to Nashville about six years ago. And through trial and error, trying all kinds of different pizza shops, we found many that we loved that had great flavor and it was really good for the style that they were going for. But we just weren't connecting with anything that screamed Chicago or screamed home. So we started making pizza in my kitchen. My grandmother grew up in Little Italy in Chicago, so we had some sauce recipes and dough recipes for thin crust dough, and just started kind of messing around with that and seeing, like, hey, we're pretty good at this. Like, we can, like, cook for our friends, and, you know, we're, we're getting our fix of Chicago food. I started messing around with a deep dish dough recipe. Those are much more difficult to create, and everybody guards them. You know, it's, like, under lock and key, so all of the greats in Chicago, like, you're not getting in their recipe. It's just not going to happen. But I had a very basic understanding of how that dough is supposed to work, how it's supposed to taste, how it's supposed to perform. So I just started playing with different ratios and different ingredients until one day a pie came out of the oven. We all took a bite and went, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is it. So I started cooking these pizzas for my friends here in Nashville and they loved them. And when I would have friends from Chicago come down and visit, I would say, listen, I know you can get pizza anywhere you want at home, but please, we need to have one pizza night at my house. I need to cook this for you. And so many of them were just blown away and they said, this is just as good as what we can get in Chicago. You guys need to open this here. So that's what we did. We just kind of you know, started writing out a business plan and started looking at spaces. We didn't know where we would end up. We knew we wanted to be in a neighborhood. We wanted to connect locally with the community. We wanted to you know, do really great things with our community, but we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> so we just kind of jumped in and just tackled one issue at a time as it came. And what are we at? Like three years later, here we are. Oh my God, it probably flew by. <laughs> it's insane. When we look back and go, oh my gosh, we opened 312 in April of 2014. Where is the time gone? Oh my goodness. So you're saying we, who else in your family is involved? So uh, the original owners were me and my husband, my mom and my dad and my sister. My dad did the entire build out. He is like his stamp is all over the (laughs) Germantown location, but he unfortunately passed away last year due to cancer. I'm so sorry. So that was really rough. You know, we just got this thing open and we were just starting to enjoy it. And then he got sick. And so that kind of brought turmoil into running a business and having family world, you know, collides. Mm -hmm. And, but, um, he left us a legacy through his construction, which is awesome. That's amazing. Yes. I mean, it's so nice that he's still, you know, it's like he's there. I bet every day, every day. I mean, we could see like exactly when I remember like, Oh, I remember when he hung that piece of wood or I remember when that broke and it leaked (laughs) over the floor and he came and fixed it. (laughs) So you could just look around and see him everywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's so good. So 
I, you know, I was under the understanding you were sales and marketing, but it sounds like you're like the chef too, or you helped come up with the recipe and pass it. I did help come up with some of the recipes and, you know, my mom is a master at the pizza sauce and the thin crust dough. And then we did bring in some outside assistance from the different chefs that have come through our kitchen. I don't cook back there, but <laughs> I do. My stamp is on that menu. So there's certain things where people are like, what should I get? I said, well... I created this, so you should definitely get that. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Uh, so it's really fun to be able to play around with recipes and then see them come alive in your very own restaurant. I love that so much. Um, and just your whole your whole brand is, is very cool. You know, I check, was checking it out, obviously, and I, I love it. It's a very personal feel, and I think that's yeah. that resonates a lot with this community, especially, you know, in here in Nashville. Absolutely. People really appreciate that. But I was looking at your website, so, you know, back to the, like, marketing um, stuff, but I saw online ordering and I haven't talked to anyone who has a restaurant or anything yet, like on this podcast. And I was curious, you know, have you done the online ordering from the beginning? Do you guys see a lot of sales come through online ordering or do people still pick up the phone and call? You know, how does that perform? So from the beginning, we did not have online ordering. We only did it via phone. And we recently introduced that, I would say maybe six months ago, because it was time and we felt like we had the operations under control to facilitate that. A lot of it is systems and processes. You know, when an online order comes in, where does the ticket print? How do we know that an order came in? So it was really trying to integrate that system flawlessly so our staff had a way to execute and the kitchen had a way to execute without interrupting business flow. Mm -hmm. And so far, it's working beautifully. Um, The system integrates with the whole POS system that we use. So when they place an order, the ticket will print right to the kitchen, just like a normal table. Oh, that's good. So it's flawless. So now we can see what's coming in, see the volume. If it gets too insanely busy, like on a Saturday night, we can actually shut off online ordering and say, please call the restaurant and we'll give you updated wait times at that point. We try not to have to do that, but (laughs) at least it gives us some control. Yeah, yeah, and that's really smart. Um, Actually, which leads me to another very candid question. Order Up and Uber Eats and all this stuff, are you guys on any of that? What do you think about any of that? Would you want to ever? We have a love-hate relationship with them. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, Yeah, I'm curious. Your thoughts there. Um, I think it's a great platform, and it definitely fills a niche in the market for restaurants that aren't able to have their own fleet of drivers. And I think it really depends on the type of cuisine that is being worked with. So we do work with a few. Specifically, we work with delivery dudes. We really liked the way that they facilitated the orders and made us feel really at ease, knowing that our food would arrive to the final destination with the same care and quality that we would do it if we did it ourselves. So we are opening a second location in South Nashville, hoping to have that open by the end of 2017. Awesome. We have a bigger kitchen and we have made space so we can have our own delivery fleet. And that will give us complete control over the product. It can get a little hairy because the consumer doesn't understand that the delivery company is not the restaurant. So if something goes wrong in that interim transition of food, if you will, we have less control over it. And then we leave it in the third party's hands and hope that they would give the same care that we would. And 99% of the time they do. As a business owner, it's nice to retain all control. So we're going to look into doing our own delivery 
once we get that second location up and running. Yeah, I can imagine. I, you know, it's funny because you always think of like a pizza delivery guy. Like that's yeah. like a thing in movies. Exactly. Like who's not seen Home Alone. Like there's, you know what I yes. mean? Like you think of pizza as, you know, delivery, whereas now there's all of these services and it's, Absolutely. you can get anything brought to you. you and I think it. it's phenomenal. I mean, I use it myself. You know, I like go on there and I go, hmm, what am I in the mood for? Mm-hmm. And I can get anything delivered. Um, so it's just you have to have a great relationship with the third party company that you're working with. And then it works great. I love that. So we are in Nashville, and Nashville's an amazing nightlife, and I love it, and thank you, Bachelorette and Bachelor Parties, for <laughs> yes. that. But, you know, what? how did you guys handle that late-night menu? I saw you have some specials for late-night, and I don't know how much changes from your, you know, dinner menu to your late-night menu, and do you guys see a lot of action from those out-of-towners coming in, having a good time downtown? So I would say we get less of the out-of-towners. Um, Germantown is a very neighborhood-centric type of little community, and we do have the sound baseball stadium over there now so a lot of our late night menu was organically developed by just watching trends so on a sounds game night we're gonna get more people coming in after the game that are still a little hungry maybe want to have another beer we get a lot of neighbors that don't want to leave the neighborhood but they want something casual so they just come over we're busier with late night like on a friday and a saturday and what we did was condense the regular restaurant menu into very manageable dishes that could be prepared by a lightly staffed kitchen that way we don't have full staff going because we don't fill up for late night it's much more casual so you'll see pizza by the slice so we'll do pizza by the slice for lunches during the week and for late night And that works really well because people don't have to commit to getting an entire pizza. They can have one slice. It usually fills the void of needing the munchies. They got that last beer before they go home. So we did things that were good, like late night food. Like me, I love cheese fries. So we get the fries on the late night menu. (laughs) So just all quick prepared things that aren't going to take a ton of time and that we can execute well with a lighter staff. Yeah, I think you have the best job ever (laughs) because you can totally cater that menu. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. And your social media, I was checking it out for, you know, everyone listening, definitely go to Instagram right now and follow 312 Pizza Co. because it's like the most mouthwatering pictures of pizza. And I immediately got hungry as I was looking through. (laughs) But I just love to hear, you know, about your strategy behind social media. You know, how do you handle it? Are there certain channels you use more than others for any specific reason? I would say that Instagram is the best for a restaurant, best for food, because people eat with their eyes and you can elicit a response. Like you just said, a mouthwatering picture makes you start thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to have for dinner? And you know, it plants that seed. So we like to use our social media accounts to highlight the food, highlight events, and then create brand awareness or industry awareness. So we're super passionate about ingredient quality and you'll notice at our restaurant we really strive to stay non-gmo local when possible no high fructose corn syrup no artificial dyes so we like to show that off on our our social media so people know who we are as a brand we do ton of facebook and i would say twitter is the one we use the least but i want to change that i like twitter because it creates a conversation and we just have not put as much emphasis into that platform and i don't know if that's hurt us long term or not but instagram is such a winner with food 
I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think I don't think you're hurt in any way by not using Twitter <laughs> yet either. Yeah. <laughs> this is my opinion. Well, as good, a good. <laughs> yes. So we try to build a calendar, if possible, 30 days out at any time to see, okay, what's coming up in the next 30 days that we need people to be aware of? Maybe we're going to be at a festival. We were just at Pride Fest, and we've done it every year, and it's so much fun. So we want people to know, hey, find our booth. If you're looking for pizza, you know where we're at. So we're doing posts leading up to different events so people know that we're going to be there. We like to do pint nights in the restaurant. So we'll bring in a local brewery that can take over our tap. And we usually do that on a Sounds Baseball Thursday. I think we do like eight of them or so a year. So we'll put those on social media so people know, hey, if you want to try some really cool stuff from one of the local breweries in town, come on out before the game. And then, of course, the food. (laughs) Lots and lots of food. (laughs) The food. And Chicago sports showings, did I see? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes. So we like to be a destination for Chicago sports fans. We're all local Chicagoans, born and raised. And so for us, our sports teams are still very near and dear to us. So the Cubs World Series, oh, my gosh, (laughs) that was insane. We, I'm sure, were over capacity in that building and we just were like, okay, we'll just, we're just going to make it work. I couldn't even get to the restroom. I had to go into our kitchen, like cut around and come out the other side just so I can get to the restroom. It was so busy. Oh my God. Yeah. That is incredible. Well, it's funny. I was going to ask, you know, what do you do to like personally engage like individual members of your community? But it, I feel like You've already covered that, like the Chicago people you're bringing in. and Yeah, we also keep a very strong presence in our hyper-local community of Germantown. So I'm very active with the Neighborhood Association. We sponsor the Germantown Cleanup, which they do every month. So the neighbors will get together for two hours, go around and pick up garbage, beautify you know the streets, and then we sponsor their lunch every month. So they come in and we set up a spread of pizzas, and then we give them discounted beer purchases if they so choose to have <laughs> a beer after all that hard work. But we find it super important to engage with the community and be actually a fixture of it. We really do care. So that's one way that we've chosen to integrate with our hyper-local community. I love the cleanup thing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a clean neighborhood is good for business. It's good for the neighbors. It's good totally. for everybody. So we want to thank them for doing that every month by feeding them yummy food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We should talk after this and <laughs> see if Snapshot can help at all That'd with any of that cleanup. I'd love to, to yeah. get involved with that. Okay, so we've been talking about 312. Let's talk about Tempered Cafe and Chocolate, yes. uh, which is just another brand that Stacy has, everyone. And, <laughs> and the name Chocolate is in the title, mm-hmm. so we should totally address this. Absolutely. So Tempered Cafe and Chocolate came about because I've always been obsessed with chocolate, <laughs> like forever. My best friend worked at a chocolate store in high school, and I used to like come by after they would close and she would give me a bag of like all the broken stuff or the unsellable stuff and I would just think this is the best thing ever (laughs) so I actually had a business plan written for a chocolate store that I just made for fun that I would kind of play around with menus and I would work on it as I would get ideas for this chocolate business never thinking we would actually do it 312 was like a no-brainer but then about four months after we opened 312, 
This little bakery around the corner from 312 closed abruptly. And something inside of me said, you just need to go call the realtor and get an appointment. And I didn't really understand what I was doing, but I was like, I'm going to call. I'm just going to call on this. So I didn't even tell my husband. (laughs) And I'm like, so we're going to look at a little bakery space next week and he was like for what and I'm like a chocolate store maybe (laughs) so we went and looked at it and both agreed like this could be really really cool and it's something at the time I know there used to be a chocolate shop in Germantown which had closed maybe one to two years prior and the neighbors were bummed and I'm obsessed with chocolate So we went for it. I put myself through a chocolatiers program to learn how to make chocolate. And we paired it with wine. So we do wine, cheese, and chocolate pairings, whiskey and chocolate pairings. We're a cafe, so we have brunch, sandwiches, a full espresso program, mimosas, wine slushes. I could go on. It's, (laughs) like, just such a fun place. Like, I, I love to work from there because I can just like hang out in this little chill cafe and drink wine. That's amazing. <laughs> and eat chocolate. I haven't been yet, but I'm totally going to go. Yes, it's definitely the place where we get more of the bachelorette party business. Like they'll come in, stay at an Airbnb in Germantown. We'll do their brunch, you know, on Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Or sometimes we get to work with them. We'll do like a wine, cheese, and chocolate tasting before they go hit Broadway. So they can come in, be a little bit more relaxed. Yep. Get ready for the crazy. I am all about that. I'm all, um, I'm all about a good cheese plate. <laughs> oh, yes. Me, too. I love cheese. I love cheese. Yes. So we made sure that the cheese plate was on point, goes with the wines. We serve a chocolate with every coffee. It just comes with it. So when you come in to get a latte or a cappuccino or an Americano, it comes with a piece of chocolate. Okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Okay, good. <laughs> and the branding for that is also really cool. And I was thinking about it because, you know, you know, managing both of these brands, like how do you how do you handle that? Like how do you go in and create a strategy like, okay, well, 312 Pizza has this voice and this mm-hmm. branding and Tempered Cafe and Chocolate has this voice and this branding. Like do you is it tricky to keep them separate or do you actually embrace the relationship that the two have, which is you and your family? Right. <laughs> I look at the two brands as if they're separate people. And I like to create personas for each brand. So I like to have like four to five personas. So that would be five different audiences for 312. And then I know who is this specific message for when I'm talking about 312. And then I'm going to speak to that persona. So if it's having to do with the Cubs game when we were doing the Cubs World Series, that's not going to resonate with the local Nashvilleian who doesn't care about baseball. So in that moment, I'm not necessarily talking to them. I'm talking to that persona. Mm -hmm. Same with Tempered. Completely different audiences, but the two can play nice together very well. So sometimes there's an opportunity to cross-promote through catering, for example. So we do catering at 312. If they need a dessert tray... I can funnel them to Tempered. Also, when we first opened Tempered, we really wanted to get the word out and let people know that we were here. So we were able to send a special offer to all of our newsletter subscribers at 312 to come visit Tempered because it's a sister brand. But when it comes to strategy for marketing, social media, completely different. You'll rarely ever see any overlap and the voice is going to be totally different. 
with how we talk to our audience. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't, I guess the catering piece I didn't even think of, but that's a great point to bring in both of them. Mm -hmm. Who actually takes those pictures for you on social media for both brands? Is it one person or is it two? So we've had a couple different people. Um, My other sister is a photographer, so she's done a lot of work for us over the years. And now one of my hourly staff at Tempered is a film student and she loves taking pictures and videos. So she has asked like, hey, if you need any work, I would love to do it, use it for my portfolio for school. So we've been able to partner up on some projects that she's helped with too. And it's done a phenomenal job. Gosh, I need to get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to Watkins. It's right in Metro Center. They have such talented students and they're so eager to have the opportunity to do professional quality work that is for a real business. That's amazing. Yes. Well, that's super smart of you to do. And I think I saw, and I don't know, and you can correct me if this is a third brand, but you have... The Green Hour. The Green Hour. That's what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So the Green Hour is a really unique idea. It is an absinthe bar and cocktail lounge, but it's we treat it more like a pop-up cocktail bar every weekend. So I've had this obsession with absinthe for years. I had the opportunity to go to Switzerland a couple years ago. My best friend lived there, and I had it there before it was legal in the United States. And I was just thinking, this is just so good. (laughs) And then my husband and I were in Breckenridge a couple years later, and they had a bar there that served absinthe, and I had it again. And I was like, man, this could be such a cool like concept that not many people are doing, and it's different. So we decided to put the absinthe bar inside of Tempered Cafe. So it's in the same location. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, the cafe closes at seven. And then we have from seven to eight to pop up a full bar. So they literally pop up an entire bar. The vibe changes, the music changes, the lights go down really low. There's a neon green LED light running under the entire bar. We flip on a green light bulb so you know it's the green hour. The green hour is going. And then we have a green absence sign. It's a neon sign that we turn on in the window. So we really transform that space. I mean, I guess you could say it's reminiscent of a speakeasy style, but it's much more European influenced. We have gorgeous absinthe fountains that you prepare the absinthe with very talented bartenders that can, even if you don't like absinthe, they'll make you something amazing. So it was just one of those things where we thought, you know, we have this space that is so cool in this awesome neighborhood. How can we use it at night and into the wee hours of the morning? (laughs) So we decided to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights with the green hour. Again, completely different voice. So when we're talking about green hour marketing, it's, again, another completely different audience. We're talking to people who love craft cocktails. They love unique whiskeys. They are adventurous when it comes to trying things like absinthe. So we have to talk to them a little bit differently than we would talk to our tempered guest. Is there ever a situation where someone is sitting in there at the cafe and it's like 6.55 and they're like having like a quiet cup of coffee and then suddenly all the lights go down and they're like, what's happening? What is going on? (laughs) So in the beginning, we realized that we had to let people know what was going to be happening on those (laughs) nights. So if anybody comes in from 6 to 7, we just say, hey, we're not rushing you out. We don't want you to feel like you have to leave. But this is going to happen at 7, and they only have an hour to get it done. So when it starts happening, 
don't freak out. And most people are super intrigued, and then they want to stay and have a cocktail so they can see the transformation. Oh, yeah. I would totally. I was thinking just now as you were talking, I was like, okay, I'm going to go in at 6 o'clock, yeah. have a cup of coffee, a piece of chocolate, and then I'm just going to wait and watch it right. all go down. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> now, we we're trying to keep it so it's more of a secret. So... People don't see the transformation, so we try to have everybody out by seven. But for special guests, I can just set you up in the corner. Yes, and be oh, like, I'll be very just fly on the wall. <laughs> yes, it's like I'm not here. Exactly. <laughs> very fascinated with that. I'd like to switch gears just a little bit and talk more. I guess less about the brands, but that is you more or less. But about you and your background. Yeah. You know, what were you doing before you moved to Nashville and opened these amazing restaurants that I'm going to live in from now on? <laughs> So I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Mm -hmm. So after I graduated college, I found myself working. I worked for the Hertz Corporation as like a management trainee. That was my first job out of college. And I was like, all right, this is fine, but I'm not like super into cars and like rental cars. I don't really care. I'm not I'm not connecting with this. So I moved to Anheuser-Busch and worked as a contemporary marketing representative for them. And that was really, really awesome. We got to interact with all of the bars and restaurants in the Chicago market trying to create brand awareness for Anheuser-Busch brands. So we would do a lot of game nights and set up samplings and tastings and just really try to engage on that personal level with the consumer. So I learned tons about experiential marketing through that role. And I did leave that company when there was a buyout situation that happened where the corporate entity was bought out by a wholesale operation. And so it just wasn't the right fit for me anymore. So after that, I found myself working for Marriott Hotels. So I was an account executive for two different brands in a suburb of Chicago, and that was so much fun. And the hotel life is great, and you learn about networking and building personal relationships and really trying to make yourself available to the customer. And that's where I learned the most about being a yes person, where instead of telling someone no, find out how I can say yes, because I would love to win your business and created a lot of good friendships with my clients. Marriott was amazing at teaching us how to be connectors and really create that bond with your customer. They taught us that people don't do business with brands, they do business with people. They knew if we were to switch hotel brands, the customers would probably go with us, but that's why they wanted to keep us as employees too. Yeah. I did that for a couple years, but I still had this bug and I was just like, I don't know. I just want to do something for myself. I don't know what to do. My husband's family owned a real estate company, so I got my real estate license <laughs> and I sold real estate in Chicago for a couple of years during the recession, <laughs> which was wonderful super fun <laughs> yeah and I made it work I ended up being rookie of the year at the firm I was with and just hustled and that was where I learned it's not going to come to me I have to go make it happen there's nobody feeding me leads like a corporation where they're like oh go follow up on this it was no if you want to make a sale you need to go find the houses to sell and find the people to buy those houses that was great and I would probably still have my license if Tennessee had a reciprocal 
agreement with Illinois, but they don't. So my license, I didn't keep it because it doesn't work here. <laughs> um, so, so when we moved to we moved from Chicago to Nashville about six years ago, and my the jobs that I did here was experiential marketing. So I did a lot of contract marketing, where I was an independent contractor and would run programs for larger companies that were coming through Nashville. So I got to do some fun stuff with Coca-Cola and Vitamin Water and Microsoft. And the programs could be anywhere from two days to six months. And it was, you know, I never knew when one was going to show up. But when it did, it was great and kept me super busy until we opened all of these businesses. <laughs> <laughs> all of these businesses. What was your, was your family down here doing something else, too, when they decided to, you know, let's go do 312 Pizza? So... My sister is a musician and really wanted to be in Nashville to work on her music career. My husband and I were getting antsy in northern Illinois and decided we just want to move somewhere. So we had a couple ideas of of where we might consider. And then when she said Nashville, she's like, well, that's where I'm going for sure. We just thought, well, that'd be really silly if we both moved out of Chicago but didn't go to the same place. (laughs) We heard great things about Nashville. Said, okay, Nashville it is. Here we go. Here we come. That's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, I, I think the, the roles that you were in before what you're doing now really seem to have set you up for what you're doing now. Totally agree. And it was almost like each one had a purpose to teach me something that would be useful in this crazy life of running your own restaurant. <laughs> like, but the nice part is, is within my family, we all have very specific roles. We've always been very adamant that we would treat this like a normal company because I grew up coming in like working for normal corporations as did my husband so we said okay my background is sales and marketing that's what I'm going to do I'm not going to mess around with operations my husband's background is operations stuff so I'm not going to tell you how to hire and fire that employee or tell you how to write a training manual just like he's not going to tell me how to strategize the message that we need to get out for you know the winter winter 2017. (laughs) So we've been really awesome at being able to feed off of each other without having family drama. Like it just doesn't really happen in our companies. That seems like a rare thing for family business. I know. (laughs) Everyone's like, how do you do it? I'm like, stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. (laughs) Do not step on anyone's toes. It's like if you wouldn't do it at a like a typical corporate job, if you wouldn't go to that other person and say something really horrible, just don't do it here. (laughs) <laughs> so we try to stay very professional. Do you guys have a, a team under each of you? I mean, I imagine it's still small because you're keeping it personal. But mm-hmm. like, you know, do you have sales or marketing people that report to you? So we do have managers at the restaurant. So a general manager and then a couple restaurant managers. We have a kitchen manager. And then we have one of our restaurant managers actually doubles as a catering manager as well. So I'm able to funnel a lot of the admin stuff to him. So I will sell, you know, something that I want executed. He'll write up the contract, make sure it happens, it gets delivered. And he's also great at lead generation too. So hopefully I can get that as a full-time position in the future, but I'm still pretty involved with it, working with him closely to make sure everything goes flawless. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that is most of my, you know, big questions that I wanted to ask. You know, I had a couple, like, additional fun ones where, like, you know, what's your favorite pizza? <laughs> well, I'm going to be the most boring pizza restaurant owner ever. <laughs> I love cheese pizza. Like, just straight up. Like, it's just, like, it doesn't get any better than that. So if you come into 312, there's a pizza on the menu called the Mrs. O'Leary. It's a four-cheese pizza, and that is a blend of my favorite cheeses, on the pizza. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, that's what I'll get next yes. time I go. And then I guess, is there any, you know, advice you would give to someone who's like, you know, if some maybe it's someone graduating from college or someone even younger or older who's like, you know, I think I want to get into marketing and start my own business or something. You know, is there any advice that you wish you had known maybe way back when? Absolutely. Um, the best thing that I've learned over the years that didn't feel like it was as important to me coming out of college that now it's where I I put most of my attention is relationship building and networking. So I make myself available to help people who are maybe five years ago where I was, but also I try to network within my industry. I like to make relationships with the hotel people and with the event people. And because we're all in this together in Nashville as an ecosystem feeds on connections and really genuinely like and I don't mean it in a fake way like I genuinely want to connect with people and say hey how can I help you with this event and then down the road I might have to say hey can you help me with this event so somebody just getting into this industry I would say make it a priority find those groups that resonate with you and show up don't join an organization and pay the money if you're not going to go to any of the events you have to show up be willing to get on a committee and that's how you make awesome friends, but more importantly, business connections that will last forever. I think that's great advice. I totally echo that. Yay! <laughs> okay, well, I think that does it. Of course, a massive thank you to our sponsor, Ecos. For anyone out there in marketing or sales, you have to go check them out. Ecos provides an amazing solution for marketers trying to keep their sales teams on brand and on message, and it provides sales teams a faster process to find the current content they need to close deals. Go to ecosprez.com, E-C-O-S-P-R-E-Z. And thank you so much, Stacy, for coming in. I really appreciate it. You made time for us. Yay, thank you for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. I love it. Everyone listening, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, From Creation to Close. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Thanks. <laughs>